If you will, please turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6 as we continue our imperfect series. Um, so while you guys are turning, I've just got a couple of questions. First, how many of you can name all seven ingredients in a Big Mac? Yeah, some of you are thinking about the song now. You're thinking about it. Two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed. But go ahead and sing it. Go ahead and sing it. It's all good. I'm impressed. Well, no, not, not really. So now, tell me, who of you can name all Ten Commandments? Oh, that's a little bit more of a struggle, isn't it? Hmm, you've got to think about that. In fact, when we hear the words Ten Commandments, what do we think of? We think of, oh, no, another list of rules. Are you a rule follower? Or are you a rebel? When I was a student... I was definitely a rule follower. If someone in authority, no matter who it was, stated a rule, I followed it. That's just how it was. That's what I did. Um, I remember actually having uh, discussions in Jesus' name, describing to other students how they shouldn't do certain things, how they shouldn't listen to certain music. And it was when it came down to why, it was simply because, oh, because so-and-so said so. I have challenged and encouraged our students many times to not defend their faith because of something that Jeff said, that they should look and read and study for themselves so they can defend their faith for themselves. And there were times to where I would actually use Scripture. But sadly, I am sure that many of those times I probably used something and took it out of context. Why? Because I was a rule follower. Opposites attract my wife was the rebel. Yes, some of you are like her, and when you hear rule follower, or, or you hear rules, you think, hmm, rules were meant to be broken. <laughs> Shame on you. <laughs> um, there were times to where, uh, you know, and, and I understand it. Maybe some of you are just kind of in between to where, hey, look, if a rule makes sense, I understand it. But if it's a silly rule, Really? I'm not going to follow that, no matter what. That's our mindset. Sadly, when we think of the Ten Commandments, we think of these as a list of rules, a list of do's or a list of don'ts that we shouldn't do. And some of you are here this morning or possibly watching online, and sadly our online numbers go down during this time of the worship service. Why? Because they are just like many of you to where you're here. Why? Because my parents made me or... My wife, my husband, a friend invited me, and, you know, just to get them off my back, I decided to come. And the last thing you really want to do or to hear is to hear someone tell you about something else you're not doing, how you stink as a person because, oh, I'm not doing such and such. And we have that mindset, and we shouldn't, because this is God's holy word. Now, you guys are in Deuteronomy 6. Stay there. Our Ten Commandments are found in Exodus chapter 20. I didn't have these put up on the screen or anything. So just listen, just because we're going to cover these as we go. Um, but just listen to God's word, because his words are so much uh, more than mine. In Exodus chapter 20, verses 1, it says, Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, 
or in any likeness of what is in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the water underneath. If you are following, we'll skip over to verse 7. It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord God, your God, in vain. In verse 8, remember the Sabbath Sabbath day to keep it holy. In verse 12, honor your father and mother so that your days may be prolonged on the land which the Lord your God gives you. You should not murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, you should not uh, give false testimony against your neighbor, and you should not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, or anything that your neighbor has. You see, we have the wrong understanding of why the commandments were given. We think that these are just a list of rules that we should follow, but these rules, these lists, actually do reveal God to us. And they actually provide for us something that is going to be unique to you. You see, the Pharisees, they didn't understand it. Now, they memorized the first five books of the Bible. They knew these rules. They knew all the laws, not just the laws from the Ten Commandments. They knew them backwards and forwards, but they did not understand what they meant. And this morning, I don't want you to just go ahead and turn your phone on and tune me out as some of you do each Sunday when Pastor Josh starts. Yes, I sit in the back and I kind of watch. I don't take notes, but I just watch. And this morning, even if you're online, I don't want you to just turn off because you don't want to hear something else about a list of rules. But I really, this morning, I really want us to understand why did God give us the Ten Commandments? For, I'm going to show you four different things. First, he gave us the Ten Commandments Uh, to not place us in bondage, but to actually set us free. We're going to look in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's go. Verses 20 through 24. Now understand that Deuteronomy means second. It means second law. So Moses wrote the first five books. Deuteronomy is just a commentary about the law. The law we just read, uh, the majority of the verses in Exodus chapter 20. He gives commentary on that in Deuteronomy. And earlier on in chapter 6, he kind of talks about those things and gives commentary on it. And this is what he says in verses 20 through 24. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, What do the provisions and the statutes and the judgments mean which the Lord our God commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, Why is he doing this? His son wasn't there when uh, God gave them the Ten Commandments and during their um, exodus. And so he says, Then you shall say to your son, We were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Moreover, the Lord provided great and terrible signs and wonders before our eyes against Egypt, Pharaoh, and all his household. He brought us out of there in order to bring us in to give us the land which he had sworn to our fathers. So the Lord commanded us to follow all these statutes to fear the Lord for our own good. For our own good always and for our survival as it is today. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to follow all these commandments before the Lord our God, just as he has commanded us. When we hear the Ten Commandments, we feel restrictive. We feel like, ah, this kind of you know, puts me in bondage. But actually, the commandments do not put us in bondage. They actually set us free. Understand that when did God give the commandments? After the Exodus, right? He did not say, okay, Moses, 
you go to the Israelites, you give them these lists of things, and you tell them if they obey half of those, then I'll uh, free them. No. God freed them, and then when they went, God said, here you go. He gave it, these to them to actually keep them free. Now, understand, you've got to step back and take a look at the entire picture. In creation, God created the heavens and the earth. And each day of creation, what did he call it? What did he say? He called it what? Good. He said it was good. He took chaos, he took nothing, and made order. He made um, uh, peace. It was serene. It, it was order. And he called it good. He created Adam and Eve, and what happened? Man sinned. So what happened to that? First, we lost our relationship with God as Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. Why? Because God is holy, and he cannot tolerate sin. Next, our relationships with each other suffered. As we saw from the first set of brothers, who one got mad at the other one and literally killed him. And then even our bodies, as they age and deteriorate and succumb to disease, we see that in creation, God had everything in order and in place, and then we just messed it up. So then, what do we have? We have the uh, Egyptians, as they, uh, if you guys remember, we did the uh, No Average Joe series a couple years ago where we talked about the life of Joseph. If you guys remember, uh, as Joseph brought his family, as he was second in command of Egypt, and as the, uh, he, uh, the Israelites uh, started their home there, they moved there, and then as they multiplied, the Egyptians became fearful, and so they enslaved them. They were enslaved for 425 years, and then God sent a deliverer, Moses, whom we've been talking about. And as he sent that deliverer, what did he tell him to tell Pharaoh? Let my people go. And Pharaoh said, what? He said, nope. So then what happened? God sent the ten plagues. And these ten plagues, scholars tell us, that these are not just random acts of power. These are actually in, uh, in order. Because what we see is we have creation. God, the creator, has designed creation. And he has done it a certain way. And the first uh, plague, what happens? He turns the Nile into blood. It actually starts a process of destroying the ecosystem in that time and in that day. Then we had the frogs, we had the gnats, and from that come disease. What is happening? We have a picture of creation where order is. Because of disobedience, they lost their freedoms. Here, we have everything in order, but because of disobedience by Pharaoh, we have creation that unravels. And they, in tune, also lose their freedoms. Think of it this way. Uh, if you look at a fish and you think, oh, fish... You know, all you know is the water. I really want you to experience the freedoms that we experience. Take a fish out of the water, put it on the roadway, now go and, and enjoy the world the way we enjoy it. Does that make sense? No, not at all. Why not? Because the fish was designed to be in the water, and it is freest when it's in that water. You and I have been designed to worship a holy God and he has given us those commandments to what? To provide freedom. It is not restrictive. It is not bondage. He has given us freedom. 
Now, I know in our society, it is common to where, hey, if it doesn't feel right, don't do it. If it doesn't feel good, oh, it's wrong. And that's our common theme, and it's even crept into the Christian church to where we think, oh, man, if it doesn't feel right, I shouldn't do that. No, no, it doesn't feel good. And these commandments, these laws, they feel restrictive, and I, I don't want to do that. That's a load of crock. There's just no other theological, biblical way to say it. Think of it this way. How many of you, when you set your alarm clock each morning, and when you wake up at 6 o'clock a.m., let's say, do you wake up singing? You wake up and you break into song. You can't wait to face the day. You're excited. Or how many of you are like me, and you've got like 15 different alarms set on your phone? Now, my wife thinks I love the morning because I get up early, but in the same breath, she will complain about all the alarms I have set. Why do I have so many set? Snooze. Snooze. Why? Because it feels right. It does not feel right to get up that early. It does not. Isn't that how you are? But if I did what felt right, especially in a morning like today, it's rainy, it's cold. It felt good up under the covers, didn't it? I didn't want to get up. I wanted to hit just five more minutes, please, just five more. How many five more are there? If I continued to do that and I did what felt right, what would happen each day? It wouldn't take very long. I would lose my job, and I would actually lose the freedoms that I have now. You see how this works? Think of it this way. Maybe this will make better sense to some of you. When you go to a restaurant, as soon as you're done eating, what does the server say? What would you like for dessert? When you're at Chili's, it should be another commandment. Thou shalt not say no to the molten. All right? Because the molten, how can you say no to the molten? If you go to the Cheesecake Factory, do you go there for the food? for the cheesecake. The cheesecake. Why? Because they've got 40 different flavors and it's all good. But you know when the server asks you this, your heart is saying, oh yes, that's what I want. And I want this flavor and I want, and I want one to hear and I want one to go. But you know the doctor said, you know what? You need to cut back on some things. You, you got to do things a little differently. You actually have to say no. Right? How much sense does it make for us to practice things and do things to keep our health, because really, in reality, your health gives you freedoms. Without your health, you lose a lot of freedoms. So to keep yourself healthy, how much sense does it make for us to practice discipline for our own body, but not for the soul? God has given us these commandments for our health and for our freedom. Not only that, and he designed it so as we obey them, we will find life and freedom. So the commandments not only set us free, they also reveal God to us. Remember, God has just brought the people out uh, of slavery. He has brought them across the Red Sea, through the wilderness, and then they come to Mount Sinai. You see, a lot of us get it wrong, and even a moment ago I even said it. When Pharaoh went, when, excuse me, when Moses stood before Pharaoh, and he said, I am sent me, and we all know, oh yes, let my people go. You know, we've got songs about it, we say that, but you actually have to finish the sentence. The statement really is, I am sent me, and he says, to let my people go so that they might know me, so that they might be able to come and worship me. So he brings them here to Mount Sinai, and if you look at it in uh, Exodus 19, 
it's a pretty incredible picture of God literally coming down to earth. The mountain was consumed by fire, by smoke. It was a trumpet sound. There was an earthquake. People were terrified. God even stated that there was a border to where the people could not cross. If they could, then they would die. Can you imagine the, the lightning, the thunder, and standing there before this mountain, Almighty God descends down? Why? Because he wants the people to know him. He gives Moses. Moses goes up to the mountain for 40 days, and he literally writes in stone and pins the Ten Commandments so Moses can come and bring these for, before the people. What do they state? They show us the heart of God. They give us a window into who he actually is. They reveal God to us. And this isn't just here. In the New Testament, in 1 Peter 1.15, it says, And he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. You see, through the Ten Commandments, we will realize that God is a holy God. And that is his character, and he cannot tolerate sin. And we're reminded, hey, look, he's holy. You are to be holy. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, it says, When he appears, we will see him as he is. Who is that? That's Christ, when Christ returns. What will we see? We will see him in his beauty, his glory, and his holiness. It says, Everyone who has this hope purifies himself even as he is pure. See, if seeking God and pursuing him is your greatest goal in life, then the Ten Commandments really won't matter so much. It kind of all falls into place. So the question is, what are you pursuing? Because what you pursue shows what you prize. If you prize your career... If you prize a six-digit income, if you prize um, materials, if you prize those type things, that's the things that you are going to pursue. But if you are pursuing godliness and holiness, then you're going to, going to pursue him. So what is your prize? In Ephesians, Paul tells us in five, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, it says, As beloved children become imitators of God. Well, that's something that children naturally do. I mean, I remember as a child doing things like my dad did. Why? It wasn't out of fear and punishment. It wasn't out of, uh, you know, because I felt like I, you know, I had to. It was because I loved him. I admired him, so I would do things as he would do. Don't you guys remember doing stuff like that? This is what Paul is telling us to do, that we are children of God, and we are called to imitate him. How do you do that? That is to practice holiness. You see, these commandments reveal God to us and what he's like. Now, I have to stop here for a moment because the common theme here is, well, Jeff, you know what? Okay, I, I hear what you're saying about the Ten Commandments, but there are a ton of laws. Which ones actually apply? Which is a great question. It, um, I mean, think about it. Christ... In the New Testament, it says that Christ has come. He has freed us from the law. We are no longer under the law. So what still applies? 
Well, these laws fall into three different categories, and I'm only going to mention this briefly because Pastor Josh will go into this a little bit deeper in a couple of weeks uh, when he finally returns. Yes, I know. It's a struggle. <laughs> so there are three types of laws here. The first one is where the laws fall into three different types of, uh, three different categories. The first are ceremonial laws. These are ceremonies and rituals that point toward Christ. These are feasts, festivals, sacrificial procedures, um, all of which gives us pictures of Christ. Um, well, Christ has come, so he has been the ultimate sacrifice. I mean, think about it. these sacrificial procedures. The Israelites, you know, regularly had to sacrifice a, a lamb or an animal to atone for their sins. Well, Christ has come. He is the ultimate sacrifice. He has taken care of all of our sins. And so we no longer need to practice those type of ceremonial laws. God has actually given us new ceremonials by, like, communion. Think of it this way. Um, how many of you are, might be into art? I, I am not. But if you are, and you know that there is some art that is really, really expensive. But sometimes, hey, look, I found an imitation. This is much cheaper. This is more my budget, my price range. You hang that up. But if you actually had the real thing, what would you do with that imitation? It wouldn't matter anymore. You would hang the real thing up for sure because of its value, because of its worth, and because the imitation doesn't matter anymore. It's the same way. We don't have to practice those sacrificial ceremonies anymore because Christ has come. We have the real thing. We don't need a fake imitation. Next, we have civil laws. These civil laws are laws that were designed for the Israelites to live by. And we no longer live in that society. We no longer live in that day and time, so they don't apply. And then we have the moral laws, or the Mosaic laws. These are actually revelatory laws from God that reveal God to us, which are the Ten Commandments. You see, we have to understand that even though our status under the law has changed, the God who revealed those laws has not changed. When we look at these Ten Commandments, God still hates sin. He still hates adultery. He still hates lying. He still hates stealing. So God, who revealed these laws, he hasn't changed. Just our status under laws have changed. So these ceremonial laws, these civil laws, they don't apply. But the moral laws do. And that's where we find the Ten Commandments. And when we read these, we think, you know what, Jeff? Some of these just offend me. Well, here in America, uh, adultery not committing adultery, sexual sins, those type things, you know, people think, oh man, that's, that's just offensive to me. But in other cultures, you know, realizing that God come, came from a man in Jesus Christ, saying that you should love your brother, love your neighbor as yourself, that offends them. So it doesn't matter. All these laws offend someone. You're not the first person to be offended by God's commandments. He is an equal opportunity offender. But through this, God reveals himself. Not only does he reveal himself, through these commandments, they actually reveal the state of our hearts. You see, when we read the Ten Commandments, we see that God desires godliness. He desires righteousness. I desire this, the complete opposite. I desire godlessness. You don't believe me? Okay, let's read. Uh, first, let's go to Galatians chapter 3, verses 21 and 24. It says, The law was our tutor 
to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. For if there had been a law given which could have been given life, then truly righteousness would have been given by the law. See, we don't always desire what is right. So let's go through the Ten Commandments quickly and just kind of briefly discuss what we desire compared to what God commands. Commandment number one, it says, have no other gods before me. How many of you, this naturally comes easy to you? Knowing him, obeying him, that's the greatest goal in your life. You get more excited about him than anything else. I mean, this past week we had the uh, Mandalorian and This Is Us come out. Some of you are more excited about the new TV seasons on certain shows than you are about God. So, you see how our hearts desire other things? Commandment number two, do not make idols. How many of you idol something else in life? Whether it be a sports figure, your money. Number three, do not take the Lord's name in vain. How many of you say OMG all the time or maybe even something worse? Commandment number four, remember the Sabbath. How many of you always give God what is his? You set aside this day and you don't violate it for your own personal reasons. Commandment number five, honoring your parents. You're submissive. You're obedient to all God-ordained authorities. Your parents, the law, government. Commandment number six, don't kill. Some of you are thinking, you know what, Jeff? You might have gotten me on some of those other ones, but this one, yeah, I haven't murdered anyone. Until you realize in Matthew chapter 5 that Christ said that you can only keep this one if you never desire the harm of someone else. And you say, Jeff, you know what? That's not fair. You're not talking about the action. You're talking about the heart. Exactly. Because God sees the heart. Commandment number seven. Do not commit adultery. Maybe you've never committed adultery, but Christ said if you look at someone lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Commandment number eight, don't steal. Have you ever taken something from someone that doesn't belong to you? Commandment number nine, don't lie. Oh, yes, I'm always truthful. I never exaggerate. I never bend or hide the truth. What's wrong with a little white lie? Commandment number 10, don't covet. How many of you can say I am so satisfied with God that I trust him so completely that I never complain? I'm never greedy for the abilities, looks, positions, or possessions of someone else. When someone else gets a blessing that I don't have, I'm not jealous. I'm still not jealous by Josh getting a smoker. Yeah, yeah, some of you are jealous too, I understand. And I've never not once complained about what God has provided for me, and I've always trusted him and been satisfied with what he has given me. Sadly, most of us will still stand and say, Well, Jeff, I'm a good person. I mean, that is the universal theme in most religions. I'm sorry, in all religions but Christianity. They think that your good deeds can outweigh your bad deeds. That your good deeds, even though you admit when you go through these lists of commandments, you know what, there are some things that I haven't kept. There are some commandments that I haven't fulfilled. But, Jeff, I'm still a good person. And those commandments, those deeds that I have done, they still outweigh the bad. And you think that those good deeds actually cover up the bad. Bill Ingvall, a comedian, he shares a story about taking his dog to the vet. 
And he explains, yeah, some of you have heard this, he explains to the vet that his dog eats his own poop. <laughs> what? Really? And the vet goes on to describe, you know what, this is fairly common. He gives him something and says, sprinkle this on it, it'll make his poop taste bad. Think about that for a second. Vet, did you just say what? You're going to make his his poop taste bad? Really? But do you realize he's still eating poop? We think our good deeds can outweigh and cover up our bad deeds, but you're still sinful. Don't try to cover it up by your good deeds. Which leads us to number four. How does Christ create that willful obedience? Because we have to understand that God is not after just dutiful obedience. He's not after you obeying because you are fearful of hell or punishment. He is wanting you to obey him because of your love for him. How does he create that obedience? Through faith in what Christ has already done for us. Not from fear what will happen if we don't. The obedience that God is after can never be created by threats of the law, but only by the wonders of his grace. Salvation is a gift that you can receive. The gospel in four words, Jesus in my place. Why? Because he lived a life that we could not live. And he died a death that we didn't have to die. He has saved us from hell if we simply put our faith and trust in him. These commandments not only reveal our hearts, reveal God, give us freedom, but they point us to Christ. And this is not just a New Testament thing. As I mentioned with the Egyptians, I mean, excuse me, with the Israelites, he saved them when? He gave them these commandments after he saved them. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, it says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then he gives them his commandments. The heart of the commandments is worshiping God and God alone. Christ was challenged and said, Well, tell me, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And Christ said, all these commandments, you realize there are ten, and the first four are, talks about your relationship with Christ, the next six talks about your relationship with others. Christ says, I can name these and, and point these and give you these all and, and just sum it up into two. First, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love him with your whole being, with everything that you have. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we would stop worrying about not trying to see a checklist and a list of do's or a list of don'ts and just realize if you did exactly what Christ said and you pointed to him and you loved him with everything that you have and you loved your neighbor as yourself, everything else is taken care of. You don't have to worry about a checklist. You don't have to worry about anything else because if you do those two things right there, you are in harmony with your creator and his creation and you are free. The Ten Commandments we think of as something so negative. But they're not. 
They're here for our good, and they're actually positive. Here's one last way to look at these. Suppose we turn the Ten Commandments into Beatitudes. This is what they would read. Blessed are they who put God first. Blessed are they they who need no substitutes. Blessed are they who honor God's name. Blessed are they who honor God's day. Blessed are they who honor their parents. Blessed are they who value life. Blessed are they who keep their marriage vows. Blessed are they who respect the property of others. Blessed are they who love the truth. And blessed are they who learn the art of contentment. (laughs) Who in the world said the Ten Commandments were so negative? When you look at them in the proper way as God uh, wrote them, they are the most, they're the most, ten of the most um, positive statements that you'll ever find. Why? Because God has given them to us to reveal his heart, his character, and for us to simply worship him. It is not restrictive. It is not restricting your, taking away your freedoms. It is providing you life and fulfillment and joy and happiness. As we close, here's a simple test. As I pray, I want you to answer these questions for yourself. First, I want you to answer, who or what is my God? What am I dedicating my life to? Where have I placed my allegiance? And what things in life are most important to me? Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.